Unbroken Podcast. I'm Alexandra Amor, author and lifelong explorer of what it means to be human. This is the podcast where my guests and I explore the inside-out nature of life via the psychological paradigm called the Three Principles. We explore the positive effect this can have on every aspect of our lives, including resolving things like unwanted habits, anxiety, trauma, depression, and more. You'll find episode show notes, transcriptions, your complimentary video series, and lots more at unbrokenpodcast.com. If you're struggling to resolve an overeating habit, I invite you to go to freedomfromovereating.com where you'll find all the details about the online course I've created based on my 30 plus years of struggle and how I found the solution to my own overeating habit by exploring this inside out psychological paradigm. Use the coupon code podcast at checkout to save 20% on this unique and comprehensive course. And now here's the show. Hannah Studley, welcome to Unbroken. Hi, thank you. So nice to be here. Great to have you here. So why don't you tell us how a little bit about your background and how you came across the three principles or how they came across you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sure. So my background is uh, I grew up in England and I've kind of had two careers. One was in the entertainment business where I did um, props and costumes and special effects, started out in the theater in London, and then ended up in California doing big Hollywood movies. And alongside that, I worked as a um, coach or a counselor. To me, it's all the same thing. It's all a conversation. So I've been coaching people for about 30 years um, in between projects. And it's kind of been my mo- my main um, uh uh, I guess full-time job for the, la- the last eight years so yeah that's kind of how I came uh, that's that's my background and then the principles kind of um, showed up in my life about um, eight years ago I think and you're right it's like I, I remember thinking how come I never found this before because you know I've been coaching people for 30 years I've been in the kind of personal transformation self-help world for a very long time And I'd, you know, got stuck in the self-help aisle at the bookstore many times, you know, with the, you know, I was a um, Enneagram life coach and uh, did a course in miracles and all all these kinds of different things. So it's really weird to me that I never heard of it until I did. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was a friend of mine. uh, She and I were school teachers together Uh, in between leaving Hollywood and and, um, coaching. I I was a school teacher for five years. And she was the music teacher and I was the art teacher. So we we put on the best school plays you could imagine. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I live in Jerusalem now. I'm in Israel and her daughter lives here. So every time she would come visit her family, we'd you know, meet up for lunch and we'd have these really long chats. And I remember this one time we were chatting for about, I don't know, two hours catching up. And then we went for coffee somewhere else. And she said, she said, I went to this workshop yesterday and I think you'd really like it. And I said, oh, yeah, what's that? And she goes, um, well, <laughs> it was so funny. She'd been talking for two hours and then suddenly she was stumped and she didn't. I said, well, how great was it if you can't even tell me what it was? She goes, well, um, so I thought I'd help her out because I had no clue what it was. I said, 
is it a diet? And she goes, no. She says, is, I said, is it an exercise program? She goes, no. I said, is it philosophy? She goes, well, kind of. And she wrote, she grabbed a napkin and she wrote Sydney Banks, mind, thought and consciousness on this napkin and, and pushed it across the table to me. And I, I wish I'd kept that because I have, I'd have it in a frame now if I, if I yeah. had. Um, so I came home and I sat right here. I put on my computer and I put in Sydney Banks into YouTube and I was sold. I, I, I had, I'd known for a long time the problem was in my thinking. I just thought I had to do something about my thinking. Mm. You know, and I had all these tools and techniques. I knew the problem wasn't out there. I got the outside in part. I already, I already realized that things on the outside aren't creating my happiness or, or my misery. So therefore, it must be my thinking. And therefore, I was really good at thought hygiene. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Right. I knew how to keep my thought hygiene really good and it was exhausting. Mm-hmm. So my my first big insight was just understanding that we don't have to do anything. That was such a relief. It was so amazing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that distinction that. Yeah. That about the our thoughts and and uh, how you saw that. And then so you have a an, a journey, I guess we could say, about pain. So tell us how that folded into this uh, experience. Yeah. So in my early 20s, I um, I was mugged three times. Eesh. You know, once once is bad enough, but three times. The first time I was, um, I was still in college, I was in Manchester in the north of England. And it was the early 80s. It was all about music. And I was in a nightclub, a band was playing, and um, this guy pushed me into a concrete pillar and fractured my skull. Mm. Uh, And so I was unconscious just for a few seconds, but I lost my eyesight for a day, which was terrifying because, you know, thank God it was only a day, but when it's happening, you don't know, you know, am I blind? I've got mental, you know, um, brain damage. Um, And I kind of recovered from that one pretty quickly. And then about two or three years later, I was mugged by three men who came out of the dark. It was only six o'clock in the evening. I was walking near my home and they slammed me on the ground and beat the living daylights out of me. I have three herniated discs from where, where they did that. Mm. And then um, I moved down to London where I started working in the theater. And uh, about 10 o'clock one evening, I was riding my bike home from the theater and a, a young 16 year old boy threw a bike at my head. So I was riding home fast this way. So it was like, bam. Yeah, and he he broke. Um, well, that that impact broke two bones in my in my neck, so my neck was thank God not the spinal cord, but the C two and C three in my the bones just below your skull were, were yeah. fractured. Good lord! And yeah, so and PTSD was only just being recognized as a diagnosis at the time. So my treatment was you know have a cup of tea, go home, and you know walk it off. <laughs> that was the treatment I got. Um, and so I had this uh, PTSD. I mean, I see that's what it was now, which to me, I'm not a big fan of labels, but I just was reliving and reliving the trauma in my head for a good 10 years afterwards. Mm. And then around the time that started getting better, I started getting chronic pain. Mm. Um, I, I didn't know that's what it was at the time. I just would get terrible flare ups in my back where I'd be bent sideways and bent forward. I had a walking stick by the time I was 27. Mm. I would get these flare ups where I'd be paralyzed and rushed off to the emergency room um, and sciatica pain shooting down my leg. I, I was, you know, in agony quite often, not every day, but it would flare up like every few weeks. 
Um, and whenever I would go to the chiropractor or the osteopath or, you know, doctors, they would always take a medical history. And when I would tell them about all these injuries, they'd go, oh, well, that's why. You know, that's why your arm is numb, because, you know, the nerves from your arm come out of your neck where your neck was damaged, you know, or, um, you know, you've got the three, three herniated discs and that's why you're bent sideways and bent forward. And um, I also had IBS. I had chronic allergies. I had asthma. I had all kinds of other um, what I now see as mind body um, uh, illness, well, not illnesses, but just conditions, I guess. And I learned how to cope with this stuff and I I actually had a chiropractic appointment every month for 25 years I was kind of told if I didn't you know have that crunching and cracking then my my spine would seize up and I'd be permanently you know bent over and and that's kind of like a a story I carried around with me that my spine is weak and if if I don't take care of it one day it's not going to straighten up and one day I'm not going to get the feeling back and I see now that was a really heavy story to carry around And then when I came across the three principles, um, my pain went away. It was absolutely unbelievable. I, I, It's funny now when I work with people with chronic pain, they always say to me, so what did you do to make your pain go away? Like, how long did it take? And I'm like, I don't know, because <laughs> I didn't go into this thinking I got to get rid of my pain. I thought that was just the way I was. And I'd have to, you know, just cope and deal with it. So the principles were not like a pain relief thing for me. But what I think happened is as my thinking slowed down, my body kind of got the message that I was safe because my brain, I think all those years was on like hypervigilance. That's one of the symptoms of PTSD is hypervigilance. You know, you're always like wary of noises and surroundings. And even though I felt safe, I think my, my thinking was probably more anxious than I realized So I think my body was screaming at me to slow down. And because I didn't understand that, I was running off to specialists and chiropractors and stuff thinking the symptoms were what was in, you know, what I had to deal with. But now I see that that was just the, as you could say, the wisdom of my body trying to get my attention. And the the back pain, the neck pain, the IBS, um, all all those things, um, eczema, they all went away. Um, my allergies took a little bit longer, but they've pretty much gone as well now. So, um, yeah, it's been absolutely miraculous. And and so I got very excited about this and wanted to share that with other people. Yeah. So, wow. And so how you've written a book then called Painless. How soon did that idea start to form? Um, I've actually written three books. So Painless is the second one. Mm-hmm. Um, the first book. I, I'd actually written a book many, many, many years ago, but looking back, it was very preachy and teachy. And so <laughs> I, 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 that was like my old thinking, you know, you have to do this and you have to do that very, um, very preachy and teachy. And I, I never, I kind of left it alone. And then I kind of turned it into a novel, which is kind of an idea that came to me after I came across the principles. Um, and, and I found the novel format to be very useful. People, like the idea of reading a story Mm. you know there's plenty of self-help books out there so by having characters who do the suffering and the falling down and the searching and the discovering and the happy ending you know people kind of identify with the different characters and kind of go along on that journey so the first book was really um I thought it was going to be the only book I'd ever write because I I can't spell I left 
high school with, you know, I, I failed my English language uh, exam, you know, in English high school four times. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> um, so I, I had this idea in my head that I'm not an academic person. That Thank God I had other skills with my hands, you know, making stuff. But I didn't know that I could write. And it, and it was only about, I think, after my second book came out and I caught myself saying I'm not a writer. And I thought, I have to stop saying that because it's not true. Mm-hmm. And I suddenly saw it was another story I'd been carrying around for a long time that I'm not academic. I, I don't do that kind of stuff. Um, and so Painless kind of came out of all the experiences I had working with people with chronic pain issues. Mm-hmm. And and it, it is a fictional book, but I the characters are all drawn from real people I've known, either clients or um, you know colleagues and, and doctors that I've met and worked with. So mm-hmm. it just kind of it it just kind of came about, and that was my second book. And then a third one came out a few months ago about hormones. Mm, yeah, yeah. And so it must have if you didn't feel very academic. Um, or that that was, you know, one of your strengths. It I it seems to me it must have taken a lot of courage to even start to write down things in in, you know, book format. Was that true? Uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's very perceptive of you. Um yeah, I hadn't written anything since I was in high school. Mm. And my first book I was in my early 50s, I guess when I when I started it. And I didn't tell anybody I was doing it because I thought something might never come of it. So that's going to be really embarrassing. So I'll just, I just wrote and I wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote. And it kind of just, I even started in the middle and then started filling things in. And it just kind of like, I'm, this is going to sound pompous, but you know, you know that um, story about Michelangelo with the statue of David, he, he says how like the statue was in there and he just had to take off the, it, it kind of feels like that when I'm writing, it's like the story, I feel like the story already exists. I just have to, you know, be a catalyst and it, it just comes out. Um, that's why I don't really worry about endings anymore because I know that it'll come. I just need to quieten down enough to, for them to like end up on the paper. Um, but I remember when I first wrote that, that number one book, um, I I have a friend, actually, she's the daughter of the, the woman who told me about the principle. She's a book developer mm-hmm. and an editor. And I, I'm, I reached out to her and I said, I've written this, thing and um I was wondering if you could have a look at it and I said and if it's a load of rubbish be nice to me (laughs) you know let let me down gently you know um it's okay and and I tell you it was one of the scariest things I've ever done you know pressing send um because I say I hadn't you know hadn't written anything since high school and um I sent it to her and she, she knows about the principles and um and so she wrote, she read the first three chapters, I think, and she wrote back to me and she said, she said, it's good. She said, it needs work, but it's good. Keep going. Let's do this. Mm. I was like, okay, all right. So, <laughs> so she showed, gave me some pointers of how to, you know, like, like, write, write, make the writing a little bit better. And, and then I, I wanted someone who I respected um, in terms of the three principles to to read it as a as a novel and um I, I had a friend here uh Shifra Chesler she she used to live here in Jerusalem and so um her father is Charles Rosenblatt I don't know if you know that name he's the one of the organizers of the London conference so mm-hmm. she has grown up with the three principles so um so I printed it out 
and I put it in an envelope and took it to her house. And I just asked her if she would read it over. The next morning, I woke up, boom, 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 boom. I had ideas for like three or four or five more books. It was almost painful. It was like my, it was, it was weird. Like as the moment I let go of this story that I can't do this, like mm. the found, the floodgates opened and, and like all these other stories and ideas came up and characters. And I was like, wow, I could write about this and I could write about that. And it was, you know, it was really quite an amazing experience. Um, and so I think the common thread through the books is that I've like picked situations where people are struggling Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of misinformation out there and then pointing people to the three principles, you know, as, has been, um, it's been, it's been good so far. Anyway, the the last book was Amazon number one bestseller for, for a while, (laughs) for for a few days. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'll, uh, I'll accept that. So yeah, it's it's been a it's been a, a really great journey. I, I love it now. I love writing. And will you continue? Uh, are there more on the way? Yes. Good. Yes. Yes. I have um at least three more stories, three books in in my head that I can write about. The next one is half written. It's about um like ADHD and overdiagnosis. Mm-hmm. That one's going to be a bit of a crime thriller. Um, and then the, I've got one I want to do on addictions and then another one on on trauma. So mm-hmm. that, those are, and I'm also writing a textbook right now. So um, that's, yeah, that's, this is a major project right now. Um, I, I had this insight about a year ago now that there are so many people in the three principles community who have recovered from some kind of mental health diagnosis. And I thought, wouldn't it be amazing to collect all those stories together? What a great resource that would be. So I've now collected 40 stories um, from Michael Neal and Amy Johnson, uh, Linda Curing, who's one of Sid Banks's first clients. She was his neighbor. Um, she gave me her story. Uh, Joe Bailey, um, you know, like lots of names you would know, yeah. plus lots of um, people from the principals community, clients of mine who stories from psychosis to OCD to bulimia you know you name it people have recovered from it so the book is going to be like an introduction to the principles kind of like how psychology has got it you know misunderstood um the work of Sydney Banks these stories and I'm currently interviewing people like Dickin Bettinger and Judy Sedgman people who are mental health professionals to get their take on these different labels and diagnoses and um so I'm putting it all together into kind of a a textbook type style book. So uh, I think it's going to be a great resource for people. Oh, lovely. Wow. That's fantastic. I love hearing that. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you see a common thread when you hear those stories? Is there anything you can, anything you notice that's, that's common among them in terms of, I guess, just what people understand, what they see, anything like that. Yeah. Um, in terms of the mental health diagnosis, the the main focus of the book is showing that there's one cause. Mm-hmm. And and there's a Sydney Banks quote. It's in the um the Gardner Revisited, the Enlightened Gardener Revisited book, um, where he says there is just one generic mental illness. It's the misunderstanding of thought. Mm. And as as you read all these stories that are from around the world, from Argentina to New Zealand to Glasgow, you know, to you know uh, South Africa, 
um, all kinds of people with all kinds of backgrounds and educations and cultures. And the common theme is this misunderstanding of how thought works and how um, people have frightened themselves with their own experience and their own thinking. And they may have gone off in different directions, like whether they're eating or not eating or whether they're creating alternate realities in their heads and talking to themselves or they're, you know, trying to control everything like compulsively um, or um, cutting themselves. I've got one story from a girl who was cutting herself so badly. She needed stitches and she's doing so amazing now helping other people. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so all of them, you see that they're, they almost were torturing themselves with their own thinking, mm-hmm. innocently misunderstanding. And then that's kind of compounded by doctors and therapists who are telling them that they're broken and there's something wrong with them. So many people, I, I asked most people, you know, were you told you had a chemical imbalance? And they all say yes. And yet psych- psychiatrists are saying now, no, we always knew it was a myth. We, we never said that was true. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I mean, you could look in the textbooks and they've been teaching this for years, you know. So, you know, being told that there's something wrong with your brain, being told that, you know, you're broken and you're going to have to spend the rest of your life on medication and treatments, you know, that compounds this feeling of broken and wrong and bad. And, you know, and so people suffer so terribly with that, Mm -hmm. that all of these stories, then when they come across this understanding and they have these insights and they see that there's actually nothing wrong with them. They just misunderstood. And some people can articulate it and some people just know. And it's just incredible just listening to how their lives change. And they and I often ask them, I say, what did your therapist think about this? Right. You know, because I'm always curious, like, what do the doctors think when they see this patient who has, you know, been um, they've been treating them for years. They can't keep coming back with for them, your prescriptions, keep coming back for more treatment. And then suddenly they get well. I'm always curious what the doctors think about that. And invariably, they, the people in the, my book, they they tell me that the doctors just poo poo it. They just like it's just a fluke. It's just, you know, they, they're not interested. Wow. And, and even the girl, the self-harming girl, um, she was actually one of my clients and um, she's an amazing story. She um, had drunk her way out of high school. She didn't have any qualifications. And long story short, she managed to get into university. And but they wouldn't accept her because of her mental health um, status. So because she'd been in a mental hospital several times, you know, attempted suicide and all the cutting and everything. So I said to her, go back to the hospital and ask the psychiatrist to write you a new letter. And she said, oh, that's a waste of time. They're not going to do that. I said, well, you can try. You've got into the university. We've got this far. Like, you know, come on. So I remember she went to the hospital and I felt like the the hour that she was in that appointment, I felt like um, Houston, you know, waiting for the space rocket to go, like <laughs> waiting to like, re- like you can read. I was like waiting, 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 waiting for them to like reconnect, you know. Yeah. And then when she came out and she phoned me and she said, she told me this amazing story. She said the psychiatrist had been in this hospital for 30 years and had never written uh, a healthy letter before. Never, never written. She said she didn't know how to do it. Yeah. She didn't know what the procedure was. And this, what this, my client had left that hospital with 10 diagnoses, borderline personality disorder, um, general anxiety disorder, bulimia, anorexia. You know, she had them all after years of being told there was something wrong with her. And she is now graduated with her master's degree in physical education 
and she is off helping people. She's a three principles um, <laughs> physical education coach. It's amazing. Um, and and you know, <clears throat> the um, the psychiatrist was blown away. She was like, "Well, that's gone. That's gone. That's gone." You know, all yeah. all from all from just understanding how the mind works. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's an amazing story. Thank you for sharing mm-hmm. that. So on that subject then, and circling kind of back around to, to physical pain. So when, when you work with people who, who are ha- having chronic pain, um, something physical going on in their bodies, is there a place where you can begin with them to, to, show them the connection between their thinking and what's going on physically. Yeah. Um, I usually just talk about some of the basics of pain, um, of what I've learned. And it was funny when I started doing this, I started reading a lot of research and a lot of pain management books. Mm. And I remember I had this really powerful insight in the middle of it. Cause I felt like I, I was getting a little, not obsessive, but like I just wanted to learn and learn and learn. So I could know, I could sound like I knew what I was talking about. <laughs> right. I suddenly thought, hold on a minute. My pain went away when I didn't know any of this stuff, right? So then I kind of relaxed a little bit. I mean, it's nice to, to know the terminologies. But what I like to show people is that pain, pain is not the problem. I mean, I, I, I hesitate to say that to someone who's in pain. And if there's anybody listening right now who's in pain, that might sound very dismissive. But pain is um, a signal it's a message mm-hmm. and it's often quite unreliable in fact people often ask me how did I go from um, working in Hollywood special special effects in movies to you know coaching people so my my cute answer is that um, the the brain has a better special effects department than anything me or Steven Spielberg could come up with and <laughs> pain is Pain is one of those special effects, right? So, and and you can start to see this in, in your own experience. Like, um, I don't know if you've ever had a bruise and you didn't know where it came from. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I used to get them on my leg. Like, you know, a bruise is tissue damage. You can see the blood vessels. That's what the purple and green are. And how come I didn't even know it's happening? And yet you can have a paper cut and it kills. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> like, like oh, that really stings. So pain is is a an indicator, but it's not often a reliable one because there are people walking around in terrible pain who have nothing of any seriousness on their MRI or an X-ray. Mm. And there are other people with terrible MRIs and have no pain, mm-hmm. right? So there's a different, what I had to learn first was there's a difference between acute pain and chronic pain. So acute pain is is like the paper cut. It's, you know, if you've had a surgery, if you've fractured an ankle or something, the the nerves in the body, they're called nociceptor nerves, and they detect damage. And then they send a message up to the brain and the brain decides whether or not to produce pain. Hmm. So, for example, you could be out walking your dog or playing with your grandkids and you twist your ankle. It's going to hurt like crazy, probably, because your brain assesses that if you keep walking on that twisted ankle, it could cause more damage. So it's like a favor it's doing for you because now you're limping, you're taking your weight off. The You go to the hospital, you get ice, you know, all kind of, you, you take care of it. Whereas if you're a soldier in combat, you could get a quite a serious wound or an injury and not feel any pain at all mm. because the brain assesses to stop right now could be fatal. Mm-hmm. So there's, 
you know, we've heard these stories of like a woman rescuing her kids out of a car and there's a bone sticking out of her arm or something. And she doesn't feel the pain because she's in the moment of taking care of her kids. Mm -hmm. The brain can switch pain on and off. Hmm. So chronic pain is when that starts going wrong. Mm -hmm. right? So what I learned was that all injuries heal. So all those injuries I had in my back and my neck had healed 25 years ago. So how come I was still experiencing chronic pain years and years afterwards, a couple of decades afterwards? Mm-hmm. And I started to understand that chronic pain um, doesn't show up here where, where pain regularly shows up here in the front of your brain. And, and they learned this through MRIs. But it, for people with chronic pain where the injury is healed and they're still experiencing pain, it shows up back here in the amygdala and the limbic system, mm-hmm. which is the emotional part of the brain. Ooh, mm. I thought emotional interesting right mm-hmm. so then they put this together with the principles understanding that we're feeling our thinking and if my thinking is in the toilet if my thinking is miserable and grumpy and anxious and hypervigilant then i started to see that the pain was actually a signal trying to get my attention it wasn't about the state of my body it was about um, the state of my thinking right and that and that was what it was trying to get across to you? I think yeah. so, yeah. Because as soon as I started to understand this, my pain went away. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I actually stopped chiropractic. You know, I actually stopped those treatments um, because I I didn't, not even before I understood this. And so not only have I stopped the treatments and my pain's gone away, <laughs> which is kind of ironic, <laughs> yeah. um, but it it's... As I started to um, feel calmer, feel safer, I think my my brain didn't need to get my attention anymore. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that in a lot of other people now when they start to calm down and feel um, and understand what's happening. And, and like Sid Banks' most famous quote, you know, if we only people could learn not to be afraid of our own experience. When Because when you're very jumpy or you're very um, cautious or anxious, then your muscles tighten up. And and our bodies weren't designed to sustain that level of fight or flight, you know, full of adrenaline and cortisol for long periods of time. Mm -hmm. So if you're in a constant state of anxiety and stress and you're worrying about this and that and anything, then our bodies are going to start suffering. And, and, and it is real. I I always want to assure people, you're not imagining the pain. The pain is as real as any other pain. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I used to feel like my pelvis had been hit with a baseball bat. It was really painful. Mm. Um, and, you know, and sometimes, you know, I've worked with people with eczema. You can see the, you know, the sores on the skin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people get nausea from migraines. We're, we're, we're not saying that you're making it up or exaggerating when we say it's mind body. You really are feeling it, but you're feeling um, a signal, a message from from your mind telling you to slow down that you are safe you are okay um because you know we we have this innate well-being and it's always there underneath all that stinky thinking mm-hmm. and do you have you experienced any f- temporary flare-ups or recurring a recurrence of your pain um once or twice yes interesting i haven't thought about this for a while i remember um as i was reading all those pain books and pain research 
there was one particular pain book was written by a, a man who had had a, an incredible story. Um, imagine my story plus like three other people with like similar tragic terrible stories all smushed into one person this guy had had, I mean not only was he having terrible pain his wife was paralyzed and their house was um, destroyed by a tornado then his father died you know it was on and on and on and I was actually on holiday and I had two days to read this book it was quite a thick book and I just was sat in a very comfortable chair and I started reading because he had a lot of really interesting medical insights a lot of stuff I I understand now come came from books like his and I could feel my back starting to, you know, it would always start in the middle of my back. My, my The muscles in my back would start to squeeze up. And then I could feel that my, I knew that when I stood up, my pelvis was going to be slanted and out of place. And, and then I could start feeling the soreness in my leg. And I knew it was going to be going down to my ankle. And I thought, that's weird. Because I'm sitting in a comfortable chair. I'm on holiday. I'm reading a book I want to read. I know I haven't damaged myself. I haven't done anything, right? It has to be what I'm reading. Mm. And it occurred to me to put the book down. And I thought, no, it's a really good book. I want to know what he has to say. (laughs) So that night, it was actually quite painful. I'd forgotten how painful it is to try and sleep when your pelvis is in agony. You know, like just turning over in bed is like you have to use your whole body to move your, you know, it's it's really difficult. Um, But I knew that the moment I stopped reading the book, it would go away. Mm. And it did. Hmm. The end of the second day, I finished the book, I put the book down, stood up, I was straight, no pain. Mm. Wow. Really weird. Um, and since then, I've I've had like occasional little twinges, but I've learned not to be frightened by it anymore because I know it's telling me I've got, maybe got a little bit caught up in my thinking or I'm going a little bit too fast um, to slow down. Mm-hmm. And then I've learned to listen to that. And then it doesn't turn into anything. I have not needed, to, you know, I've had a couple of times when, you know, it's it's felt sore, but it's a completely different experience now. I don't, I'm not frightened by it. And then it does its thing. It passes through and it, you know, it's, it's gone. I know it's going to go away. <laughs> right. That's amazing. It's, it's such, that's such a big part of it, isn't it? It seems to me that not being, as you say, Sydney Banks's famous quote, not being afraid of whatever's happening is such a, um, mm. an important part of just letting that experience flow through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So, um, I guess what else do I want to ask? You work with people around more than just pain, you know, um, eczema you've mentioned migraines um that kind of thing and i guess maybe for listeners we should point out that that there because it all comes from the same source you know it's 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 not that you're a jack of all trades it's that upstream from that uh there's this understanding about how our thinking affects everything that happens to us really yeah. So I don't yeah, know what my, I, yeah, I don't know what my question is in there, but maybe you could just comment on that. Yeah, it's a good point because I often get calls from people from like the pain management world and they'll say to me, they'll, they'll want to know, have you worked with someone with plantar fasciitis? I'm like, <laughs> right. like, what's that? I go- Google that. Like, what? Oh, oh, it's 
foot pain, right? That's a fancy word for foot pain. And or they'll say it's like, it's like some kind of, you know, weird and wonderful um, diagnosis or label. And I, I stopped like looking it up or even answering that question anymore because I know that that's not, that's not where the healing is because doctors want to focus on the, the specifics and they'll want to find someone who's, you know, did you have this and did you recover from this? I'm like, I, I had a lot of things. Um, I didn't have that particular one, but that's not what's going to help you. Focusing on the symptoms is just another version of obsessive thinking. Mm-hmm. For other people, it might be their bank account they're obsessing about or their angry teenagers. Or, you know, I, I do actually work with lots of different kinds of people and, and it could be um, health anxiety or it could be not health related at all. I've worked with with businesses. I, I did a program for um, uh, hospital staff in, in a UK um, oncology department and we weren't talking about pain we were talking about stress at work you know so what I'm pointing people to is that this um, all of this whether it's insecurity anxiety whatever the source is it's coming to us via thoughts and when we understand how thought works then we can start to um, become less afraid of our experiences and as you say, go further upstream. And, and another thing I've found that's really important is helping people see that they are taken care of. Um, you know, Sid Banks called it mind. You know, you can call it God, higher power. It doesn't really matter what you call it. But there's this universal loving intelligence that is already making my heart beat and the sun come up and all those amazing things. And I think a lot of people, particularly chronic pain people and people with anxiety, have kind of kind of kind of feel disconnected from that yes. and that anxiety and, and insecurity is fueling the symptoms and and some people are don't want to hear that they want someone who's going to specialize in getting rid of their pain mm-hmm. which is you know they're trying to fix something that's not broken and and they're actually creating more stress and and a lot of what I say to those people is, you know, like, there's nothing wrong. So let's let's put that over here. You don't need to fix anything. They go, yeah, but you don't understand how much pain I'm in. I'm like, no, I believe you. But try this. Get curious about this and see what happens. And some people are too scared to do that. You know, they want to fix their pain. Um, other people, you know, like, they do get curious. And, and I've had people who knew nothing about the principles. They come to me for pain. And they fall in love with, you know, Sydney Banks's work. And, you know, they, they've probably read more books than I have and, you know, more tapes and more videos and like, because they're like, they just love it. And, <clears throat> and I, I never, I never anticipated being such a, a, like a catalyst or a vehicle for, you know, people discovering these amazing ideas and, and watching their lives transform. It's, you know, it's really is amazing. Oh, yeah. that's lovely. I love hearing that. So as we're kind of coming towards the end of our time together, is there anything we haven't touched on today that you'd like to share? Um, I guess, I guess kind of what you pointed out about when, when I say pain, it, it's not just, you know, like muscle pain. It can be migraines and dizziness, and nausea, fertility problems even. And then the latest book is about hormones. You know, it's, um, and this was something I found fascinating is that, uh, I was just going through menopause when when I um, came across the principles and I had horrific symptoms. My brain fog was so bad. I, I couldn't 
I could not think. It was like thinking through molasses. Mm-hmm. I was having hot flushes every 20 minutes. It was very hard to function. Mm-hmm. And that was my first kind of question. I remember asking a principal's teacher, I said, but what about hormones? Like, get out of that one. You know, because <laughs> they're inside of you. They're making my mood go up and down. You know, it's not me. It's the hormones, right? And so that's what I kind of wrote the most recent book because um, the, the main character is a woman who's going through menopause and she has two daughters. So between the three of them, they kind of cover every hormonal experience women go through from, you know, PMS to postpartum to, to menopause. And the research I found shows, again, that um, your state of mind is going to affect how you experience the symptoms. And I've had people with really severe diagnoses, um, their symptoms have gotten better as a result of this understanding. I mean, my my menopause symptoms pretty much went away. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very manageable and minor that now. Um, and I th- again, I think it's the as the as the mind starts, you know, recognizing that we're safe and, and our thinking slows down that all this physical stuff. Um, it just doesn't need to get loud and angry anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, the slightest thing gets my attention now, and I can live live without all those big flare ups. Thank God. You know? <laughs> yes. So yeah, I, I guess like the main story is, you know, we're not broken. We don't need fixing, and and the you know innate well being is always there and underneath all of it. Yeah. And so for the listeners, tell us the titles of mm-hmm. your three books, just so people are aware. Sure. The first one is called The Myth of Low Self-Esteem. And like I said, I I kind of crammed everything in that one. So it's basically about recovering from trauma, but there's a lot of stuff in that. You know, my Hollywood stuff is all in there. The second one is called Painless. Um, That's the chronic pain novel. And the newest one is called Very Well. Um, It's it's, that's the one about hormones and they're all on Amazon. Yes. Oh, lovely. Okay. And tell us where we can find out more about you and your work, Hannah. Yeah, um, I'm on Facebook, so you can reach out to me on Facebook. Um, I have a website. It's my name, hannahstudley.com. And I recently opened a membership group um, for, for women. And it's I'm really excited. We um, I offer for a monthly fee, very, very low monthly fee. We get group coaching and a book club. Uh, we're just finishing up very well right now and we'll move on to probably one of Sid Banks's books. And the young lady I was telling you about, the the phys ed coach, um, she's my physical health and fitness consultant now. <laughs> and so she teaches um, a, a live Pilates class because it's good to move the body. Mm-hmm. You know, we all need to move. Like, it, it's it's just about doing the, what you can. Like I, I, you know, I say to women, you can, you know, switch your camera off or I blur the background. And I, you know, I mean, it's just a great example of how far I've come because I was so self-conscious about not so much about how I looked, but like doing it wrong. You know, what if I made a mistake? I don't know. I've never done a Pilates class before, but I, what if I don't do it perfectly? <laughs> you know? And I would have just like not shown up. But now, because it's my group, I have to show up. So I just thought, I didn't listen to that thinking, you know, put some shorts on and a t-shirt, got on and did it. And and then and it felt so good, you know, so she's answering questions about health and fitness and nutrition. And, and so it's turning out to be a, a really nice group. So I'm really enjoying that. Yeah. And the details are on, on my website. Great. So, okay. Yeah. I will put links in the show notes at unbrokenpodcast.com as ever. Well, thank, thank you, me. Hannah. This has been so lovely. So nice to connect with you. Yes. Thank you so much. It's been a real privilege talking with you. (laughs) Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you found the show helpful and uplifting. 
You'll find all the backlist episodes and show notes at unbrokenpodcast.com. To learn more about how to resolve an overeating habit in a way that's unlike anything else you've tried, go to freedomfromovereating.com. Use the coupon code PODCAST at checkout to save 20% on this unique and comprehensive course. See you next time.